0: Rule number one is you have to make the decision you're going to do it. It's like, it's like you said, if it's not a priority and you don't really make that a number one priority for you, then it'll always be one of these things you put off and you just like do it later. Uh, I love, I love, there's a principle called the Gasol principle and essentially um, a Clydesdale horse um, can pull 9,000 pounds on by, by itself. You know, it's a, it's a great pulling kind of horse. So 9,000 pounds is its max. And if you yoke that Clydesdale with a second Clydesdale, science and actually logic will tell you it's 18,000 pounds, right? Right. But when you yoke them together, there's this competition that kicks in and they start wanting to – you can actually see it on video them looking at the other Clydesdale and they (laughs) just hit that yoke and they start just grinding it out and they end up doing 36,000 pounds. So it's a 4X – And that's how it is in business. If you want to scale your business, then start getting out of your lane and making relationships with other people.
1: Hey, this is a quick shout out from one of our awesome sponsors. Check this out. Thank you to Tracy down at Tranquil Turn Massage in downtown Coeur d'Alene. Look, my wife and I, we see Tracy and her team every single month for a couples massage, and it is the best thing. Tracy is a master massage specialist and a Hanu Ashiatsu trainer. You need to reach out to Tracy and her team. Make sure that you tell them that I sent you, and you'll get 25 bucks off your next massage. Also, while you're there, check out CDA Brows, Body, and Ink. Make sure to tell Tracy that I sent you, and you'll save 100 bucks on your next tattoo, brows, and plasma tightening services. <laughs> Sean, you're a husband, your father, business relationship expert, serial entrepreneur. You're the founder of Tax Hive and so much more, man. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it.
0: Of course. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate your time.
1: I'd like to kick things off by going back a bit. Where did you grow up and what was childhood like for you?
0: So I grew up in, right here in Orham, Utah. I, I had a father who worked at a bookstore for 40 years of his life, knew how much he was making down to the penny every single week. And then I had this entrepreneurial mom. Who was a like the original side hustle mom? She yeah. had like a you know a like preschool. She had like five businesses going mainly because you have five kids. Dad's a bookstore manager. She just was a scrappy. So I really had two kind of examples for me growing up, and uh, so I just want I just want to be like my mom really, and no. I wanted to be scrappy and I wanted to be entrepreneurial and I was okay with risking. I didn't want the the paycheck every week, and so that's kind of my early and so. I I began starting a business literally on the playgrounds when I was a kid selling. So I grew up in my whole life selling and going scrapping and trying to make things happen.
1: Man, what a cool story. Would you say that your mom probably had the most influence on you in regards to like your entrepreneurial journey? Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. it's like, you know, she used us to do marketing efforts for her for like preschool, for instance, we would walk down the streets and Litter everyone's houses with, uh, you know, ads and that kind of stuff. So I think it just planted the seeds early on. It's like, hey, if you want to make it happen, you have to go out there and you have to just do it. Yeah, you have to make it happen.
1: Man, so good. I remember mowing lawns at ten years old. That was the same way. Like, I had to go knocking on doors, and you know, my my kids laugh, but it was such a true story. Like, I was ten, and I literally had to mow the lawnmower a mile away uphill to get to my furthest client. You know, back in the day, and, and I would just go sell. All, I would take that money and buy Nolan Ryan baseball cards and whatnot. You know, when I was a kid. So.
0: Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I was a side hustle lawnmower guy. I like, I I did about everything. I remember I mowed lawns. You remember Michael Jordan? The shoes came out. And the yeah. fours that were the black with the red. And yep. it was a mind explosion to see a pair that was over a hundred bucks up to that point, everything was 20 bucks. You know, it's like this hundred dollar totally. pair of sneakers <laughs> and I mowed lawns. I was like, the only way I'm going to get a pair of sneakers is I would mow lawns. And I, I mowed lawns for three months of my life, multiple lawns to buy one pair of these sneakers. And it was like, I still remember just sitting in my bed with these sneakers, looking at all the lines and the webbing and, you know, it's like earn that pair of sneakers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. it's So cool, dude. I mean, when it comes to building businesses and relationships and, and networking, I think a lot of people struggle to get out of the comfort zone and get around people that are living life that you, that they want to live, you know, and I think it's so important to be able to do that and get out of your comfort zone, but what tips can you share for folks that struggle to get out of that comfort zone?
0: Yeah. I think, I think rule number one is you have to make the decision. You're going to do it. It's like, it's like you said, if it's not a priority and you don't really make that a number one priority for you, then it'll always be one of these things you put off and you just like do it later. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love, there's a principle called the Gasol principle and essentially um, a Clydesdale horse um, can pull 9,000 pounds on by, by itself. You know, it's a, it's a great pulling kind of horse. So 9,000 pounds is its max. And if you yoke that Clydesdale with a second Clydesdale, science and actually logic will tell you it's 18,000 pounds, right? Right. But when you yoke them together, there's this competition that kicks in and they start wanting to, you can actually see it on video, them looking at the other Clydesdale and they <laughs> just hit that yoke and they start just grinding it out and they end up doing 36,000 pounds. So it's a 4X and that's how it is in business. If you want to scale your business, then start getting out of your lane and making relationships with other people because you have a following of people, I have a following of people. If we work together at it, I'd love to get access to yours and same with mine and you can scale really fast that way. So, if it yeah. if it's something that you really want to do, you can you can scale so fast, but you have to say I'm going to do this.
1: Yeah. It's that action piece that holds people back from so much of that and I know that when I first moved to Coeur I didn't know anybody, but I knew I just needed to get around people that were other entrepreneurs that were doing awesome things. And so, you know, you have to step out and go to meetups and get people, start a podcast, right? I mean, that's a great way to meet people. It's so, so yeah. good there. Right. I, I want to talk about Tax Hive though. So, how did this come together? How did you end up working with Kevin O'Leary?
0: Yeah, so I knew Kevin. You know, we'd worked with him in a previous business. I love the guy. He's a great entrepreneur.
1: You know, business
0: owners. They don't understand that taxes are one of their biggest expenses. It's like if, if business owners had a really high cost of shipping, for instance, they would spend night and day figuring that out because it's in their face every day. Yeah. Most business owners are like, hey, I'll put it off until you know tax time. I have literally a buddy I just met with last week who hadn't paid taxes on his business for a couple of years. And then all of a sudden he had an incredible year and he had to write out a $80,000 check two weeks ago. And it was like extremely painful for him. wasn't sure. expecting it. And it's because that's what entrepreneurs do. They just put it off, put it off, put it off. So we wanted to solve that for the small business owner that we felt was under underserviced in the market. So who do we think of? We think of a friend of ours, Kevin. I didn't go, I didn't go on the show, but we ended up setting up an appointment and he didn't know what it was about and he was going to pitch him on a business. So it was in uh, Arizona. So it was just a dinner. Yeah. It was right in person, Nancy. And if you watch Shark Tank, what you do, It's like, you know, he always says the numbers. If you don't know your numbers, you're dead to me. So I knew that we had to know our numbers. So we had everything prepared. I had my line charts done, my bar graph. I was going to know my numbers. Yeah. So we're sitting at this dinner and it's our turn to stand up and present the business. We start getting into the pitch and literally five minutes in, he like does one of these. He's like, stop. (laughs) And I've been on the Shark Tank set twice now and I've watched these pitches and I and mean, your heart goes, it, it synced because you're like, I'm really riding on this as a potential relationship that could blow up our business. And yeah, literally in less than five minutes. So I remember like having that pit in my stomach and looking over at the people I was with, my partners, and they're like, "You messed it up," and I'm like, "I messed it up." It took me five minutes to torque this thing up. I'm just, <laughs> I messed it all up. And uh, you know, just pack up our stuff and go. And he said, uh, "I'm in." He's like, I've been an advocate for these small business owners. I feel like they're underserved. Let's do it. And it took some time after that to get the deal done. But he's a full equity, you know, a full investor in the business. And, you know, we, we put his face all over the place on social media. We do tons of marketing, create tons of traffic for him in that business. And that's how we started it.
1: Wow man. And he just seems like the greatest dude ever. Like I know that he's hard nosed and he's, but he knows what he wants. And he's, he's just, he seems like from at least the TV perspective that he's a down to earth, really kind guy though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the way he describes that, he said the first, so dragon's den was the first shark tank that took place in Canada. So Kevin was one of the OGs in Canada on dragon's den. And he said he went on to the very first, one of the first episodes and his answer to the entrepreneur was, hey, this is not for me, but I encourage you, keep going at it, go strong, make it happen. And his other mentor that was there was like, that was the worst advice you can give an entrepreneur. <laughs> By the time they hit the show, they've raised funds, they've pulled money out of their home, they've hit up all their friends and family. They are basically at a breaking point. And if you, as a shark, or a Dragon's Den member, tell them to keep going, they're just going to keep going. And if it's a bad business, you owe them that to have that conversation and say, it's a bad business, stop doing this. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah. where he feels obligated to these entrepreneurs. And like you said, you see it on the show, but outside of that, he's a very kind, con- I mean, he's conversationalist, he's brilliant. Yeah, He's so kind to of people. I went to the mall with him once and he had to go get his computer fixed. From the mall to get his computer fixed it, like it's not fun to be famous i could tell you that just being around him <laughs> he got maybe 30 40 people say hey kevin 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 and he's just so gracious he's so kind he's such a great human being
1: mm. it, I, yeah I've, i worked in the music business for a while and it was interesting the first time Seeing rock stars that I had followed for years and meet them in person. I had that starstruck thing for a bit. And then it was like, all right, these are just normal people. They're just out doing their life, man. And it was cool to get to know people after that. But I'm sure him walking around and you've been with him, like seeing that crazy firsthand is, is probably yeah. pretty nutty. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> Throughout this journey of life and as an entrepreneur, what was, what's been the hardest life lesson that you've learned? And what did that teach you?
0: Yeah. So 2008, 2009, I, in the eighth is when I started planning, you know, much about 2008, you know, you've been through it. It's like, it's a horrific years in our, yeah. but so I had the, I had the idea then I was going to start my journey as an entrepreneur, really and launch my first business, substantial business. So I met, I literally, there was a, a hoagie place down the street and I met with people that were my partners into this business. And we'd sit in this booth at the hoge Yogi and talk about how we're going to make an impact and we're going to do this. And I had a spreadsheet that I'd built that showed that I would be a millionaire. So I was a spreadsheet millionaire, right? Because I had this business plan that I felt was phenomenal. So I get this plan put together. Then I'm like, I'm going to go recruit and start making this thing happen. So I recruit some of the people I'd worked with, the great people in operation sales and now I'm ready to go now raise funds. So I went through the experience of having to go sit in front of private equity kind of people. And I raised funds. I raised 1.5 million from about 20 investors or so. Wow. And, and it was pre-revenue. I hadn't I created a dime and I raised 1.5. So if you were to get a time machine and go back to that moment for me, I felt like I just pulled a plan together. I hired and recruited some great talent. And I had 1.5 sitting in my bank, which I had 0.5 before that, right? Right. I was like, I, I've i arrived. I'm now an entrepreneur, a business owner. I'm ready to go hit it. And my business partner, Kevin, says in business, poo-poo happens, right? For the next 12 months, poo-poo happened to me and my business. Everything you can think of. You make a list of it, I probably experienced in a failure over the next 12 months. My mm-hmm. first event I booked was with David Bach, the automatic millionaire guy, author, Okay, I was gonna do direct mail to put the people in the room. My direct mail hits a week after the event. Not the best case scenario. So right. I had three people there. And so <laughs> yeah. at every level, uh, my sales sucked, my operations sucked, my marketing had issues. I mean, I had every problem you could think of, we were in a recession. So people would go back, they weren't gonna buy my products. And so At the end of 12 months, I had blown through the 1.5, all of it gone. I was down to, and I'd also hacked everything, hawked everything I had. I uh, had a line in my house. I had all my credit cards tapped. And and, uh, for me, the breaking point was on a Thursday night because I had three grand in the bank. And the next day, payroll was due at 4,500. And which means for me, I had to wake up the next day and I had to sit down with someone who trusted and had faith in me as an entrepreneur and say, I can't pay you. Wow! And I think in business, a lot of business owners and people in sales, they'll focus on solving problems, which we all hear, but problems different than the pain. Mm-hmm. My problem is I had a failing business, but my pain was a different level. It was a punch to the gut, fetal position pain. It was horrible. It sucked so bad. That that night on Thursday, I just stare at the ceiling. So like I always tell these entrepreneurs that are solving problems with people, just listen to your customer a little bit longer to find out how that problem's affecting their life. Yeah. And figure out the pain, but you're really solving the, the, the problem, but you're solving the pain for that individual. Like had someone came to me and said, Hey, I can solve this problem this problem, it'd be great. Because someone came at the time and said, I can solve all your physical, personal, mental pain right now. I would have done anything. Right. So there's power in that. Yeah. Well, the next day hits, I'm hoping I get some miracle deposit. There's no (laughs) miracle deposit. So I tell the bank, don't run payroll, my payroll company. I'm going to do physical checks for a few people. And I go to lunch with my business partner. We're tapped and we're just, is this an awkward lunch? We're staring at each other. And we're like, can we get any money here? Can we get any money there for me? And, uh, I get a phone call from my controller at the time. And she's like, hey, Sean, uh, I was digging through the safe and I found 2000 bucks in petty cash. And I was like, she's like, what do you want me to do that? I was like, why don't you hang on to that money? I got in my car immediately, I screeched my tires. I went to our office, I picked up two grand in cash. And as you know, when you deposit cash, the beauty of that, the magic is it clears immediately. Yeah. So I drove to the bank, I put in the two grand cash, I went into the bank and I cut physical checks these wow. individuals. And I was able to go up and hand deliver checks to the people in my office, right? And, yeah. and then I was like, to me, the biggest motivator of life is pain and not success. And yep. like I said, I'm going to start on Monday, i never want to go back to that moment. And I've had many more of these painful experiences an entrepreneur, like, So on Monday, I said, I'm gonna do two things. Number one is I'm gonna hire some salespeople to bring in revenue. And I called some of my friends. I was like, hey, can you come sell our product? And they're like, when do you want me to start? I was like, can you come over Monday morning? Can you come this morning? I need help. And so they had jobs and stuff, but they still came over and helped me. And on Wednesday was our first sale. And I remember it was a $4,000 sale that one of our guys made. And I felt like the heavens were open and angels descended and handed me four grand cash. Because it was like that meant I made payroll that week, yeah. And I was like, finally get some revenue in. So I love salespeople. I think salespeople are freaking. They get a bad rap, but they are the lifeblood of a lot of business. And totally. and then the second thing I said is, uh, I, I said I have to recognize and have and understand that I'm a failure at certain things in my business that I knew that I was weak in. I need to get good people around me and I need to build relationships. And like you said, being uncomfortable, I'm going to yeah. start being comfortable. with being very uncomfortable. I'm going to get outside of my lane. I'm going to go to people. I don't know. And I'm just like, Hey, Eric, what's up, man. I'd love to go to lunch with you. I'd love to learn more about you and your business. And I haven't stopped doing that since Come so on. So we went on, because of those relationships is really what transformed. I went on a run and I was able to pay off the 1.5 plus interest, 15, 20% interest to all of those investors. And I got wow. all that paid off and off my back And we went on a run, but it was only because of relationships. That's it. Yeah. By far and away, the best thing you can do is build relationships and business.
1: That's so true. So, I was a guest on Brad Lee's Dropping Bombs podcast about a year ago. And I was sitting there with Brad after the show and we were just chatting. And he said, Man, I'll tell you right now, relationships is the new currency. Amen. He goes, Make as many relationships as you can with people and just bring value to them and make that yeah. your goal and you'll be fine. You know, it was yep. just a great conversation with him that day. I was
0: with Brad uh, yesterday.
1: Oh, nice. That's awesome. Yeah, he's yeah. a great guy.
0: Yeah, he is. Uh, there he is right there. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> right Drop yeah. up there next to his big uh, big buffalo or whatever that big, uh, big bull in the back.
1: That's right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Him and I, he was on my show and then he invited me to go on his show and I just booked a flight to Vegas, flew down. I got there at like midnight. We recorded at 10 a.m. the next day and I flew home the next day. So it was. Nice and quick, but it was so cool to just meet him and see his office and all that stuff. He
0: is, I mean, his brand is real yeah and we're real. I just love real people that are willing to be real. You know, there's, there's a lot of fake out there.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, when it comes to successful entrepreneurs, I think successful entrepreneurs tend to have a past of just constantly failing. They might have some trauma that they went through. They might be in jail, but they have this grit and this mindset to keep going Mm-hmm. Why do you think that entrepreneurs are, are built that way?
0: Yeah, it's like I think you nailed it. You, you're 100% right. Like, I love studying about entrepreneurs, I think they're fascinating.
1: Yeah. I am yeah. one,
0: and y- you are one. You go through it's what we signed up for. Yeah. It's like it doesn't matter who I've studied. It, you, and, and what you just said is so true about persistence. I've seen two things in common out of everyone I've studied and everything I've read, they're persistent but all of them have had failures and not as in bad days at the office. We're talking mega, mega failures. And some reason they like get punched in the gut. And they, they show up the next day. I, I had, I had, I booked Dale Murphy to speak at an event. You know, he's a hall of fame baseball player. Yeah. He started his career in the minor leagues as a catcher and catchers like try to catch that ball. And then it's like the speed of getting it to second to get the tag out. Totally. And so he had been practicing. He was just had a gun for an arm. His very first game in the minor leagues, he catches the ball. Guy stealing first second. He slings the ball and he hits his pitcher in the back and knocks oh. his, his pitcher's knocked out. Like injures his pitcher, and they have to bring a stretcher out and wheel his 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 pitcher away. And he's like, I wanted to bury a hole. I wanted to dig a hole and bury myself in it. I felt horrible. Yeah, I injured my own teammate. And he's like, that night I wanted to quit worse than anything I've ever wanted to do in my life. And he said, for whatever reason, I woke up the next day and I put my pleats on and I went back to work. And I became a Hall of Fame baseball player. That's the stuff I love learning about, you know?
1: Wow. What a cool story. I'm it's a baseball crazy. player. My son is 10 here next week. Just lost his first time playing in the playoffs. Lost 10 to, two, 10 to 12. And it was just a battle. And, you know, he's a tough guy on the field, but we got home and it just broke him. You yeah. know, it was like. Oh, uh, I think he was more upset that he, that was his last game he got to play with his his teammates, you know, for it, the season. So it was kind of interesting. That's, but,
0: a son. that's so valuable for him.
1: Yeah, yeah. Luckily tonight, it's family fun night. So we get to go back and see some friends at this championship game uh, so we can watch his friends cheer them on in and, and the yeah. game. But yeah, it was a hard lesson for him at first, uh, especially we had already beaten that team twice. So they kind of walked in and going, oh, yeah, we'll take this. Yeah. And then. They just came out and put a whooping on us for sure.
0: That's the beauty of sports, I believe. Like your son has now had a valuable lesson on what you just said, which just resilience. Yeah, you dust yourself off. If you did get go through that enough, like you start getting pretty resilient. Nothing's yeah. gonna stop you. Right? He
1: told me this morning. He's like, Dad, I'm ready for next season already. Like I want to go out and start again. You know that he's ready to go, get going. I love uh, that. So good for you. I mean, as even as people like. what, sometimes we wake up and we just don't feel like we're motivated or productive or want to do anything. When you get off track, how do you, like, what do you do to get back on track?
0: Yeah. So for me, it's like, again, going back to the priorities, like, you know, so if, if let's say networking is important to you, then start with your biggest priorities first in your schedule yeah. and what you do. So uh, I read a book called, uh, never eat lunch alone. And I, um, I've lived by that since January 1st in the business week, Monday through Friday. I haven't done lunch alone, period. Huh. So, next week, I have all my lunch books, and the week after, all of them are booked. And those relationships are so important. That's the very first thing I book. Mm-hmm. And to me, whenever I feel like that, where I feel like I'm getting off track, if I could just put all the distractions aside and spend time with someone like you, it gets you charged, man. Yeah. It's amazing. And that's the biggest priority I, I have is to make connections like this. So that's where I prioritize and that's where I feel the flow state. And so I make sure that that is otherwise as an entrepreneur, there's all this gravel and it's emails and it's frigging texts. And you just get stuck in this. You feel like you're in a hamster wheel and you yeah. can't get ahead because you have distractions, distractions, distractions. And it's like, no, you need to spend time like the Frank and Cubby on not urgent, but very important, quadrant, right? As much as you possibly can. And that's, what's going to drive your business.
1: Man. That's uh, so good. I remember this moment when I was with Kelly Cardenas a couple years back. I was down in Carlsbad for Prosperity Camp, and he invited me to go watch the sunrise down on the beach. And so him and I were sitting on the beach, and I, at that time in my life a couple years back, I was so set on being a full-time entrepreneur that I was kind of just letting other things fall away. And I was just focused on that, and we were chatting, and he goes, Eric, all these millionaires that were around this weekend, like they're really successful financially but how many of them are great fathers and great husbands and have great marriages. And that was like this eye-opening moment for me. And it really changed the trajectory of how I looked at business for you being an entrepreneur and a businessman. Like how do you balance business and, and family life?
0: Actually, I'm glad you brought up Kelly. Uh, You recognize this book right here. You see that?
1: Oh yeah. Right there. Yep.
0: Yeah. So that's (laughs) Kelly's silhouette and this is his book. And I had very similar advice. You can see right here. These are, uh, it says, this is my daughter Ella right here. Okay. So, um, so I met Kelly at Chris Noggle's deal and you know, he's got the coolest hair on the planet earth. So you totally, that's right. I and mean, he's got the dreadlocks. It's like, who doesn't want to have dreadlocks? Right. He's got the coolest thing. So I was obviously drawn to him. He's a magnet of a person and he's a yeah. law of attraction, right? So. I wanted to learn from him immediately. And he had this book right here, this book he was holding. And I said, dude, tell me about this book. You know, what do you do with this thing? I'm just curious. Like genuinely the best thing to do when you're at a, at a live event, is just go up to someone and learn from yeah. them. Yeah. Questions, right? And so yep. I was like, what do you do with this thing? And he said, I write, I sit down here and I write a very specific handwritten note to my family, each individual. And I present so, it to them. And I take a picture of it, and I send it to him. And I keep this book, and this is all of what I've noticed about my family. My vigils on my family. Wow. So I was like, dude, you know what? Because I'll shoot my daughters. I have three girls. I was like, shoot them texts. You know, shoot my wife a text. But it's like, when's the last time you sat down and actually wrote a letter to your children? And so mm-hmm. I took the challenge. He gave me one of these books, and I have, I don't do it every day if, by any means, but whenever I have something like my daughter just did something great in art. So this, this letter here is about how I noticed she did this art. It was so yeah. amazing. Took a picture of it. She saw that her dad spent this time with her on this page to just tell her my specific thoughts about how amazing the shading was and all this kind of stuff that she did in her art. And to wow. me, that's been one of the game changers is, is doing yeah. that. And I, I don't know. I think balance is a myth. And I wish, yeah. you know, it's like we're on one hand, we're supposed to, provide for a family on the other hand we're supposed to be a really tended father and yet same time we're trying to grind out of business and i never felt like I've I'm nut but that's always been such a big priority for me is to and there's no greater joy for me to spend time with my daughters now yeah right wow.
1: man so good sean you're an absolute world changer man thank you so much for taking time out your day and joining me on the show and sharing your story I, i'm so excited for just this relationship, man. And, and so in like honor that you decided to join me on the show today, man. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much, Eric. I love your stuff and keep, keep bringing the good truth,
1: man. And that's this time flew by, man. I really appreciate it. Totally. Yeah. And I hope to catch you at the vibe room soon for sure. Let's do it. Thank you so much for checking out the show today. I really appreciate it. I hope that my guest was able to bring you some amazing wisdom and knowledge to help you continue to fight for your goals, your dreams, and your purpose. If you could do me one big favor and just hit that subscribe button, I would so appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. Keep changing the world. I believe in you. Have an amazing day.